Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Pounding the Meat. I am Vinny Vegas. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the channel. I have a special guest this evening. One of my favorite guests because I've been a fan of his for years. And uh, before we start the show, do me a favor. Like the video. Subscribe to the channel and hit the little bell and hit all notifications so that way you get alerted whenever we post a new video. It really helps the channel out and helps us grow as we are still in our infancy. I appreciate it very much. I am here with a man who is really big in not only the professional wrestling space, but the digital space, the YouTube space, the social media space. He's done it all and he continues to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring to you the one, the only, the Hannibal. There he is. Yes. All the way from Canada. In the digital flesh, we have Hannibal here with us. How are you, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. Excellent. Awesome. Before we start, I got to know, what are you drinking? Because this is Drinks with Hannibal tonight. What are you drinking? So I'm just having coffee because right. uh, <laughs> I'm going to be training after this. You got some coffee. That's fine. It's a drink. It's fine. All, All right. right. Well, cheers just, to you. Cheers to you. What do you have? I have a little bit of a, it's called Sheepdog. It's a peanut butter whiskey and it's, it's on the rocks and I love it. I love peanut butter whiskey. It sounds disgusting, but it's good. I promise you. I promise. Yeah. I don't think I've ever drank during a shoot interview. I once did a news update after I had been out partying all night. That's the closest <laughs> it has come. Well, you know, what's funny. Let's start there. Cause you recently just had a shoot interview with someone who loves to drink yeah, <laughs> namely the goon what the hell happened there Hannibal talk to me w what happened um that that was definitely my worst interview <laughs> although it does have 30,000 hits in less than a week so by the time this comes out it might even be 50,000 which is pretty good for someone of his star power yeah and he's not exactly a social media guy that <laughs> people remember or anything like that but uh what happened was he kept delaying the interview mm -hmm. and then it didn't take long after he got on the interview for it to become fairly obvious he was intoxicated at least on beer the, the screenshot you had was <laughs> him just taking it down bro taking yeah. it down that well, he was drinking. He was drinking during it. I don't. I don't know how much he had before, but it was set up by an agent, mm -hmm. and the agent did tell me the next day that he remembered nothing. Oh but what God. happened is his answers were very delayed. He didn't remember anything. It, it looked like he was like he had his hand like this at one yeah. point, and he was almost falling asleep. <laughs> and then I asked him about his match with The Undertaker, which was his best known WWE match. And I am an Undertaker fan, so there was no malice intended by the question. And he told me it was a stupid question. And by that point, like, I was already extremely frustrated with him. Sure. And I'll be honest, that interview was 400 Americans. So, I mean, he's making pretty good money, $100 every 15 minutes. That's excellent money. And he's being very defensive with all the questions. So I was being as patient as possible. Yeah. But if you're going to start insulting me when you don't even know anything about me, 
or that I've also been a wrestler or that I am, and this is a fact, I have the most views in a month of any shoot interviewer for a long time now. I get the most monthly views. So I am actually the top shoot interviewer on, on YouTube right now as far as the most monthly views. Yeah. And then you're going to show up to the interview for someone that wants to do document your career historically wasted. Not only is he getting paid, right? But he's getting exposure, major exposure. I know he's not wrestling anymore, but still it's an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It could open up yeah. doors for him to do other interviews or, or, you know, signings, whatever. <laughs> no, it was just another night at the bar for him. You know, when you search his name, now that's going to be one of the first thing that shows up. <laughs> so he, again, if I was a promoter looking yeah. to book him for an autograph appearance or something, and I saw that, I would be like, this guy's going to be trouble. Uh, yeah, let's not mess with him. Else. Yeah, let's not mess with him, right? All right. Before we start, uh, Hannibal, let's go over your – now, I have a list here, all right, because I can't remember all this. All right. of your achievements, all right? You have a long list. It's incredible what you've done. So correct me or stop me if any of them are wrong. Okay. okay sure. But I think I got it. All right. Let's start with Canadian Amateur Wrestling Association. All right. You are national heavyweight champion and Olympic trial silver medalist. Yes, I was. Was uh, former. Not, not the reigning, but not yeah. currently, but former. Right. All right. Now, you are also a former Canadian heavyweight grappling champion. Yes. Two-time provincial heavyweight champion, former Ontario grappling heavyweight and absolute champion, former CRW Canadian Revolution Wrestling Quebec champion, former three-time Great North Wrestling Canadian heavyweight champion. You are former International Wrestling Association intercontinental champion, two-time World Wrestling Council Tag Team Champion. Yeah, and one that they don't have listed on there because the the company didn't want to um, make it official, but I, I am the uh, Quebec champion of another Quebec company that I won't mention, okay. where I ended up having to shoot, shoot on the champion. And he submitted, and they announced me as the champion. They played my music and everything. And so I am undefeated, actually, for both of those Quebec titles I, I held. I was never beaten for either either one of them. So I'm I'm still the reigning, to this day, Quebec champion, I like to say. All right, so you are the current reigning Quebec champion as well. That is yeah. a long-ass list. I'm telling you right now, congratulations on all your achievements uh, as far as... Uh, and I have the most popular uh, combat sports YouTube channel based in Canada as an interviewer. I can't wait to get into that, but your channel is in, is a, a wealth of knowledge for anyone that's into pro wrestling or the history of pro wrestling. You're the first channel that always pops up. Whenever you look for any shoot interviews for, with anybody, it's always Hannibal TV, Hannibal TV. That's incredible, man. That's, and for how long it's been, you know, to continue that ride and continue that wave and adapt Congratulations, you know, more power to you because I know how hard this is. This is very difficult uh, to do on this platform. So. Yes, it is. It is a bit easier now, as you were mentioning, uh, 
earlier that we'll get into later with sometimes uh, talent can be hard to deal with. It is easier now that most people like to do online interviews mm -hmm. before when I started, this really only became a thing during the lockdown, as right. you know, but I would have to like be there in person for all the interviews. Yeah. And sometimes they wouldn't show up. Um, sometimes God. it'd be late. There was transportation involved. Um, you had to set up the, the cameras. Sometimes they would tell you to meet you somewhere. And this has even happened recently to me. They tell you to meet somewhere and there's nowhere quiet around. So I'm much happier with this new format of the online interviews yes. for numerous reasons. Yes, yes. All right. You start out in amateur wrestling, of course, and everyone knows your achievements there. But I want to talk about the dungeon, man. The dungeon. I mean, there's so much history, especially with most WWE fans knowing Bret Hart and Owen Hart from the dungeon. But just to be able to say you train there, it goes on your record as, oh, my God, he made it. Okay. Just to be able to say that you train there. What was it like first walking in? To the dungeon uh when you first walk in there you you definitely are intimidated yeah uh because every one of the veterans before you went through hell and they kind of want to take it out on you what they've been through yeah but i didn't really notice it at first for those reasons but there were definitely moments in my time training down there which was numerous years that sometimes you just look around and you're like, wow, this is the actual dungeon Yeah, I'm training in. There's so much history here. It's so cool. Because sometimes you forget about it when you're training there mm -hmm. uh, three or four days a week. Mm -hmm. But then when you look when you look around and you see, hey, this is where the uh, Owen Hart versus Ken Shamrock match happened oh. on the pay-per-view and all that history, all the wrestling with shadows stuff. Yes. And uh, all the famous people that were trained down there. But as you said, if you if you actually graduated from the dungeon because they put you through so much hell, mm -hmm. you know that any graduate from there, whether they're they went on to be famous or not, went through something that not most wrestling schools have. I don't think there's any wrestling schools around now that are anything close to that. There's some that might have the cardio, right? which the dungeon wasn't really about cardio. It's right. about taking bumps mm -hmm. on basically gym mats covered by a green. I was going to ask you that. Like when you first walk in, you had to go into the, to the heart mansion. I'm going to call it a mansion. It's a mansion. This place is huge. Yeah. Right now. Did you have to go into the front door and then go downstairs or was there an entrance just for the dungeon? There is a there is a dungeon entrance. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. All right, gotcha. There's a, there's a dungeon entrance off to the side. And by the way, in the winter, it's freezing down there because it's an old house, and it might be changed now that it's been sold. But at that time, they never really invested in getting a proper heating system for the basement. But yeah, it's you, you go down this set of stairs, and the room is to the right is the dungeon. Okay, you go straight down. There's like a, a shower room and to the left, there's a bathroom. And on the other side, there's a room with a very old school treadmill in it and, and storage. And further back, there was uh, a bedroom where at that time, uh, Ted Hart's 
oldest sister, Angie, mm-hmm. um, lived there. Okay. Which, by the way, I did spend the night with her there once, but we did not have sexual relations. Hey, you know what? That deserves this. <laughs> Listen, but, to, put, to throw that on your resume, all right? You got you to include that with a little asterisk. You know, spent the night with Miss Hart, but there was no sexual relations. No, we, we just hugged. They trusted you, you know? I, 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 had a, I had a girlfriend at the time, and she was aware of that. So. Okay. Man, um, <laughs> she was cool with it. God bless her. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the, the reason why um, it was so hard is just it wouldn't be uncommon to take slaps to the face multiple times at these practices. Mm. It wouldn't be uncommon to take 60 chops in a practice. And the trainer when I was down there was Bruce Hart. Bruce, who, okay. Uh, he's, he was in uh, SummerSlam 94. He was the blonde one, right, Bruce? Yeah. Okay, yep. He was in the Survivor Series 93, yes. I think, uh, the Canadian Stampede. Yep. He supposedly stiffed Austin. But he <laughs> liked – he the way he did it, he wouldn't normally correct, correct you. So I remember there was one guy that would always drop kick you in the balls. So when we were – when we would wrestle – Bruce would call spots for us mm-hmm. um, from time to time. So if he knew this guy, which I remember his name was Kerwin, he was this big, um, clumsy guy that always drop kicked you in the balls because he couldn't mm-hmm. get any higher than that. And Bruce would always call that spot because he found it funny. He just that, enjoyed that, seeing it. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and I remember there was there was one guy that always slapped in the ear rather than the when the in the face and slaps are real in wrestling yeah. some people might do it by hitting their hand like that i don't know but the way bruce taught us you, you give a real slap but not on the ear right and there was one guy that always slapped on the ear so when bruce was calling his matches he would always call for this guy to do slaps and all of us were getting very angry at this guy Right. And it was only a matter of time <laughs> before one of us snapped. And Randy Myers was down there when I was down there. He went on, I think he's doing well in Defy prior to the pandemic. He was the Defy champion. Um, he was signed by WWE at one point, but something happened with his medical where, for whatever reason, they took down the offer. Mm-hmm. But they called it with him one day and he just completely lost it on this guy and started slapping him over and over and over and over and over again. And it was like quite brutal. The guy stayed for the rest of the practice, didn't say anything. And then he was never seen or heard from again. Yeah, man. He never came back and he had been there for like, too much. So there was many cases like that where people never came back. They'd come to to three practices, and some people would give Bruce hell for that. I remember Dan Crawford, the one from Stampede who invented the ladder match, who I've interviewed a bunch of times. Uh-huh. One of the things he didn't like about Bruce was he would allow stuff like that, and some wrestlers felt because they're paying three thousand that they shouldn't be so hard on people, right? But in the end, I, I wouldn't do that 
as far as if someone doesn't know what they're doing, call right. it. I would correct right. them. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the the punishment and the way that they had of weeding out the people that weren't tough, right. I did agree with that because there's not enough of that. And that's one of the reasons people don't respect wrestling as much now. Right. And why the business isn't as popular as it once was. Do you think it's a the dungeon was like the Cobra Kai of uh, wrestling schools? In a way, in a way, yes. Um, it, it was it was really cool when I was down there. By the way, Nat and Natalia was also down there, and by the way, she slapped really hard. Good. She would always call that with her, but at the same time, she didn't hit you in the ear. Yeah. Uh, Ed was still hanging around, even though he was trained. Mm-hmm. TJ and Harry. Oh, nice. Uh, TJ's still a producer with WWE to this day. And right. uh, Rick Victor was also down there who was with the uh, Ascension briefly. Yeah. So there was a good, good group of guys. Uh, Johnny Devine, who wow. uh, was in TNA for a while, decent wrestler. And he was uh, Scott Demore's head trainer for a long time after, too. So very good wrestlers. But yeah, the, the older ones. Uh, really, uh, really gave it to you. And I remember, for instance, Bruce would also like to see that happen in the ring, mm-hmm. in Stampede shows. I remember, and I was too young and naive to know any better. There was one uh, older wrestler who I had one of my first matches with, and Bruce told me to go in the ring before the match and cut a promo on him, saying he's nothing but a steroid abuser and like accuse him of being on steroids and all this. This was stuff. your first match? With it may have been my fourth or fifth. Okay, pretty early in my career. You were, you were pretty green at the point at this point, right? Yeah, with, I would with, have been eight, 17 or eighteen years old. This guy would have been oh thirty my. something. Oh my god! But he he told me exactly what to say at this promo, and I didn't know that this guy was actually a, a, a steroid dealer by profession, and I didn't know like the whole veterans uh stuff so i remember like looking back on it this guy did beat on me really bad in the match but because it was my fourth match or fifth match Mm -hmm. and because i came from amateur wrestling what you would what a normal person might consider really stiff to me i didn't even realize it but but afterwards thinking about it years later it's mm-hmm. like this guy just beat the crap out of me and I didn't know any better. But Bruce is the one that fired him up. Yeah. Because Bruce would find it funny. And for instance, like he gave me the name Kid Nichols, which even when I was like 18 years old, I was like 230 pounds. I didn't look like a kid. And my well, last you're name you're a big boy, man. Yeah. You're, you're a big boy. Let me tell you that. And my last name was Nicholson. Right. So just a way to rib rib me was to like call me kid Nichols. So everyone would just call me Nichols or kid or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like you're worth Nichols or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like, I hated the name. Mm -hmm. I was stuck with it and it was a stupid name. It's not even a name that would get over. That was one of his downfalls as a booker. (laughs) He liked to rip people with stupid names. Ladies and gentlemen, kid Nichols. It's like, yeah. (laughs) And they event when they eventually uh, changed it, um, it was Bushwhacker Luke when I started wrestling in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and I sent him a tape and he's like, kid, you're good. We want to bring you in, but we hate your name. So he's the one that ended up giving me the Hannibal name. 
Oh, and here's another funny story. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny uh, Stampede wrestling story. I had always been a baby face, even though I'm more natural as a heel. They always yeah. had me as a baby face. And then one day, Bruce finally decided to make me a heel. And coincidentally, the match was against uh, Randy Myers, the guy I was just telling you about. <laughs> and I ended, he told me exactly what to do in the match Bruce did. And this has happened a few times in my career. You getting in trouble, getting in trouble for following instructions. Right. So he told me to basically go crazy and turn. And I did. And it got, it went so well that the people who were doing the music for Bruce at the time were doing it volunteer, I guess, because Stampede um, was not a huge revenue maker in those right. days. Yeah. Um, and the kid of these two parents who, who was about 13 or 14 at the time was crying. So they wanted me to apologize to the kid after and I said, I'm not apologizing. You told me to do it, and I'm a heel, and I believe in kayfabe, and I'm not going to apologize. That would have so, killed your gimmick. That would have killed it. If the, if the word got around yeah, that you apologized, that's that like what they did with the Ultimate Warrior. Now it was a little different, you know, because yeah. <laughs> he spazzed out on the kid. And, but, I mean, you were, you were doing your job. I did exactly what Bruce told me to do yeah. without, like, to the T, what he told me to do. And the funny thing was I was temporary, temporarily released over that, but I sent that tape to Puerto Rico and WWE. And strangely enough, I got a WWE tryout out of that tape like a month later. And I ended up getting my Puerto Rico job from that match. So the match that they actually temporarily fired me over was the one that got me into Puerto Rico and your and, success and, in Puerto Rico and your the eyes on you from WWE. Yeah, which was uh, it was the first tryouts uh, Tommy Dreamer had given me because he had just oh, got wow. got that job. But eventually, uh, months later, um, I did end up having to apologize because I was set up in Sampi, and I think it was like this happened in November. Mm -hmm. I think I get uh, in like February or March um, because I was still training in the dungeon. They just had me banned from the stampede shows. Right. Right. So I apologize to the kid because it was their free music people. But uh, so I eventually did apologize. But yeah. the, the thing is that just, that just shows you like how bad their booking was at that time. It's like, you guys invented this and your whole booking revolves around. You can't make the kid whose parents read the music sad. If that happens, we're going to ban you. So. <laughs> it's funny you bring up kayfabe because listen, my, here's my opinion. I've said this quite a few times. Okay. I, I believe social media killed kayfabe. All right. It, completely. I think it, I think it buried it. Right. Um, but there are a few people who still keep it going and, and they do a really good job. One is MJF who, I mean, will literally, you know, tell kids to do things. I think he, there's a video of him with a kid in a wheelchair. And he, he goes, you want an autograph, kid? He goes, yeah. He goes, stand up. I mean, he's, he's a complete asshole. But he's, he's honoring kayfabe in a way, you know. And 
what do you think killed kayfabe because everyone says it's the you know it's the madison square garden right even i would say and i'm not a fan of orange cassidy but i will admire him for like he doesn't break kayfabe on his character and that's one of the reasons why his character is over right um because he's he doesn't break it you can't right. find footage of him out of character mm -hmm. on the internet uh, i don't think it's fully unbreakable uh the thing i did with billy jack haynes a few years ago was a pure work and everyone believed it mm -hmm. um i would go I can tell you, I still get a lot of heat over the the Terry Funk incident that I had Do that we you? never even presented as a shoot. People just wow. get mad at it because they buy into it as being real because he's a great actor. Legitimately, yeah. he's a great actor. He is. He was in movies too, you know? So I don't think, I think you could still make people suspend their disbelief, but at the same time, for instance, um, uh, at a re like one of my favorite wrestlers right now is the Blood Hunter. He okay. recently had a match with with Just Incredible. That Just Incredible tried to do uh, a kayfabe angle out of, mm -hmm. where he pretended that he was really hurt because he wanted to come back and have like a rematch. Mm -hmm. And so many people took that as legitimate. They tried to spread rumors that this guy is dangerous. He shouldn't be allowed to wrestle, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, so it's like, if you actually try and kayfabe something, these days it will cause you such backlash on the internet of people thinking that it's real. Right. So but it's it's Isn't, it's that, isn't that the beauty of it, though? Like, even, yeah. even the backlash brings eyes, brings attention. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's... It can be done, but yeah, the word, the, the biggest thing, and I think you mentioned it was, is social media because there's so many wrestlers that break it on social media. I have, I am a promoter as I, th I think you may have mentioned. I have, I've been a promoter since 2007. Right. Um, my company's been around like 15 years now, a lot longer than Jim Cornette's, which I mentioned earlier for a yeah. guy that acts like he's such an expert. He was oh, yeah. using someone else's money. His company only lasted four he years. Know, he knows a lot about marks, doesn't he? he yeah. Knows, uh... <laughs> and what happened and what happened uh, in this one match from my company, there was this one girl that I was really pushing and she had even though she's technically retired now, she became a big star. She has millions of hits on YouTube on my channel, mm -hmm. Lady Yasmin. But she won the title from uh, a fatal four-way ladder match. Mm -hmm. And the fans, like, popped for it. And, like, everything was good. She was getting over. And then the next day, I see on the Internet all four girls in the dressing room oh. posted a picture smiling beside each other hugging each other and it's like why did you do this yes two of them were heels and there they are hugging Yasmin what benefit and I even told her I'm like please don't ever do that with your heel opponents again because it takes away from your victory yeah because who have you beat if you show their friends and oh oh they're your friends they just let you beat her the fact of the matter is I had to pay one of those women who was the veteran extra to put mm -hmm. her over so in reality, they weren't all friends. 
because in reality wrestlers are all in competition with each other sure yeah but, i mean they, uh, they they all work for themselves really right exactly independent contractors and there's a lot of backstabbing and all kinds of politics in wrestling at all levels right but yeah the the social media breaking kayfabe is the worst and jericho i'll give him credit he's a huge success and he doesn't need to keep it anymore because he's a multi multi-millionaire oh yeah like when he goes on his podcast after an event and like breaks down exactly how he put a match together with somebody i don't think overall that's good for the business and you can yeah. see i'm i am neutral i i don't watch any of it but i do follow the ratings and aew's interest has declined every year so you yeah. can't tell me that that's actually helping interest if the analytics and numbers are showing differently. It's true. And I, and I mean, WWE is a whole nother monster. Uh, I don't watch it as much. I grew up a big WWF fan. Um, WWE, I, I would watch as well. But now with this whole Peacock thing or the network, they have these extra TV shows, you know, Ms. and Mrs. And then they have the... the divas and they're all getting their nails done it i mean it it completely goes against professional wrestling well the scoop this week is supposedly the divas and bellas might be canceled now mm -hmm. but yeah and they're 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 going overboard trying to break kayfabe all the time in wwe and this is one of the problems with wwe when they had miz eaten by the zombies the other week oh, as God. as cheap as it like as bad as that was in the following days he was all over the news doing stories about it he's supposed to be dead so it just makes the whole thing look even more stupid and this constant i mean we we've seen this in recent years uh drew mcintyre before a match before a match has even happened like the week of wrestlemania i'm looking forward to uh Lashley and I telling a story together and having that moment together in the ring. We want to have our WrestleMania moment. Not, I want that title back. I'll yeah. do whatever it takes to have the title back. This guy's lucky he has the title. Let's have a moment together and it's going to be wonderful and the fans are going to be there and we're going to tell a great story. That does not make me want to watch. At all. Like, And if I played that for a bunch of high school kids, if I went to the high school down the street... Bro, they'd be like, I could tell you, I'm not going to say it on video what they would say, but I could tell you what they would say. Oh, you, I mean, you could say it, we'll bleep it if we have to, but yeah. you can say whatever you want, you can say whatever you want, but yeah, no, that's not cool. The whole storytelling stuff that they're that they're trying to pull, and the ratings are showing it, they keep doing new record lows all the time. And after that zombie thing, oh my god, um, they actually had like a record low ratings week. So was it really worth it? And I will, I'll be honest. It was a million dollars. They got paid, right? Was a million it worth, bucks, yeah. was it worth a million dollars? Yeah. You know? For all the bad feedback and yes, it got people talking, but not in a good way. And Oh my no. God, this is stupid. This is the first thing I've actually, I had to watch it because I was getting so much uh, fans asking me to comment on it. 
So it was literally the first WWE thing I watched in months. And it's like, okay, this is what you got me to watch. And it just reconfirmed why I wasn't watching. Why so you don't may watch have got it. hits on it, but oh, my you're Lord. not going to get just like all that Joey Ryan stuff with, with the stuff he was doing. It's like people would watch that, those YouTube clips, mm -hmm. but they're not going to be like, oh, I got to go out and buy a ticket and start following wrestling again. They're watching it either thinking, oh, this is a funny gag or this is stupid. No wonder I stopped watching it. But it's, it doesn't help the business uh, overall, in my opinion. A lot of the excuses they give, and I want your opinion on this, uh, a lot of the excuses they give with the ratings being low or down is highlights on social media, highlights on Twitter, YouTube. Before you say anything, my opinion on that is people watch the highlights because your show is boring, right? They just want the updates. Back in the Attitude Era or even pre-Attitude when we were, we had to watch Raw. I don't care. I wouldn't want to watch the highlights. I'd avoid them because I want to see the whole damn show. What do you think about the highlights and that excuse for the ratings being lower? I'll tell you something legitimate about the highlights. When I started doing the news, I have I stopped watching around, I guess you could say 2007-ish. Okay. And for a while when I started doing the news, I was actually able to sit through the three-minute highlights. Now I, I really can't even watch the three-minute highlights because yeah. it's, I'll, I'll, like, take the cursor and, like, just pull it across slowly. Like if there's something that's interested me, stop. But it's so bad. I can't even watch the highlights. You go through thumbnails now. That's it. Yeah, that's the exactly. most. Can... <laughs> and one of the reasons I look at the highlights is to find a good thumbnail. If I'm talking about uh, yeah. a certain thing, because I found out you are allowed to use that um, in, in thumbnails um, legally. So um as far as uh, online viewership affecting ratings, yeah, it does affect it mm -hmm. um, to some degree. But I, w I was a kid in the 80s when it had one boom. Right. And then I was like uh, in high school as like a sophomore and senior when it had the Attitude Era boom. And I remember both times really well. And when you walked around, say you went to a mall, you would see tons of people in wrestling shirts. Everyone, <sighs> not everyone, but you would see a good chunk of people in Austin 316 or NWO shirts. Yep. And in the 80s, it'd be the Hulk Hogan shirts and so forth. You do not see that now. If you see someone in a wrestling shirt while you're walking around, it's pretty rare. It's uh, Austin and, 316, right? Yeah. And it's the Hulkamania shirt. I mean, people yeah. wear the retro stuff. I don't walk around. I, I don't think I've seen a Drew McIntyre shirt. Anyway, no, have you no and, and as far as like who are the champions, the other problem is they've got way too many champions and the titles don't mean anything. I know Bobby Lashley is one of the champions and I cover it and that's all I know because I just don't care because the titles are so meaningless. I couldn't right. tell you who, uh, who the AEW champion is even. I know Jericho was at one point and Moxley was. I don't know yeah. if they still have it or not. I, I know it's Omega and he, he, okay, has, there we go. he has like six titles. Yeah. With the Impact and all them and they, they merged with Impact. They're doing stuff with New Japan. That confuses me. I was going to ask you your opinions on AEW. 
Um, do you think, I, I know, I know that you told me that their numbers are slowly declining. Uh, could that be because they had to move to Fridays for dynamite or? Well, the Fridays is different. They, they, they were going, uh, the yearly viewership was going down before that, but mm-hmm. I don't, I've said it on my, on my podcast. I don't think it's a good sign that they're not only being moved to Fridays, but also being changed networks. Right. That's not a good sign that a station has confidence in you because. And they're doing a second this, show. Yeah. I don't know about that. So, you know, I don't think I don't think they should be. No, it's not going to be good for them. So I think that's a sign that the network may not have been that happy with their numbers or why would they be changing them to yeah. a, a night that we know is bad and then putting them on a whole other station. And I don't know if it's going to be the same, same time slot or not. But as far as WWE and AEW, I really don't have – uh, a favorite between yeah. the two. They both do some. I'm not saying everything's bad. I have said I, I think Lashley is the best person they could have as champion right now mm-hmm. uh, because he's so legitimate. I think Roman Reigns um, is their biggest star. He's not on the level of Cena. No. Um, but he's their, their most famous now that uh, Cena's not a full-time and Brock isn't a full-time. Mm-hmm. Um for AEW, there's good and bad. I try not to 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 go into the bad because I know I have a lot of fans that like AEW. I actually had a poll on my channel a few months ago, right? And this is actually interesting. I put the the top five companies in the in North America or the U.S. I guess you could say. I put AEW, WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, and MLW. AEW, maybe it's because they have a lot of smart marks, but they won by a considerable amount. Wow. WWE was uh, number two, and Ring of Honor, uh, MLW, and NWA all had 5%. They all had exactly 5%. So it was a pure tie for the third. But AEW was the clear winner. Wow. I, I, I would have guessed WWE would have won that, but wow. Yeah. So this is why I'm not going to go and bash. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've interviewed Vince Russo who hates them and so forth, but I'm not going to become like an AEW basher. First of all, I just read the results, right? Watch the occasional highlight. I don't want to watch the show. I've tried. It's mm-hmm. not my thing. Not your my thing. Time huh? is precious. Um, <laughs> But I don't, I don't hold it against people. If you find it entertaining, you have that right. I'm sure I find, I find UFO stuff entertaining, and yeah. not everyone does. Right. So I'm not gonna criticize someone if they like that. If they like that, fine, enjoy. I'm happy you do because you listen to my news. Yep. And I was gonna say you are a promoter. Um, you went from wrestling to promoting. What was that transition like? Becoming a promoter. Well, I was actually, I started off as a promoter for Stampede. So I've almost been a promoter the entire time I wrestled. Okay. And the reason I became a promoter, because I mentioned to you earlier that in the days I was in Stampede, Mm -hmm. the crowds were really bad. I actually promoted the last two really well attended Stampede events. But prior to that, 150 people would have been considered a great crowd. Wow. And it wouldn't have been uncommon 
to have like 40 to 50 people at an event, which by the way, I heard NWA only had 30 people for a taping last week <laughs> uh, in Atlanta, which is pretty bad. Their pay-per-view had 50 though. So at oh, least they, well, you know. they did all right for the pay-per-view. You know, let's give them, let's give, let's give them a uh, yeah. support NWA here. They, this, all this is, is very stale, but how, yeah. how do, uh, how did I get into promoting? Bruce did the Calgary shows. Okay. There was actually two buildings they were running in Calgary. So it was a good time for me to be there because there was a good amount of events. We ran one building one week, the other building the next week. So it would rotate. Okay. Those crowds were generally really bad. Then Ross, one of the other Hart brothers that I'm probably the closest with to this day, I've done a few interviews with him. He was also one of the trainers and he's, he's been around Stampede forever and he probably knows the most history of any of the Hart kids, mm -hmm. but uh, he was doing the out of town shows, which generally, generally they would draw a bit better. They might average 75 to hundred fans. But when I would drive to these towns, mm -hmm. I would never notice any posters up. And I just didn't think that they were doing a good job promoting. I never like heard that they were getting newspaper stories or anything. Interesting. Okay. And I, when I was a kid, I would promote backyard wrestling matches and actually poster the neighborhood oh, and charge man. kids to see. Yeah. So I always liked doing that. That was like my hobby as a kid. The memories of backyard. Me and my friends did that too. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. Yeah. So basically I, asked how I could do an out of town show. Okay. And then they ended up working uh, a deal with me to, to, to promote out of town shows. So I started actually promoting out of town shows for stampede wrestling here and there. So my normal wrestler pay for stampede, I'm not exaggerating this. Sometimes they would pay us in change. We would never get guaranteed. I remember once TJ Wilson getting paid in a handful of change Wow. And he threw it against the wall. And he Are said, just don't me? pay me. Holy just shit. don't pay me if you're going to pay me this. It was that bad. Yeah. So, so, and I'm not saying they were making a fortune and ripping us off. I'm mm -hmm. saying they weren't making any money. It just wasn't there. Yeah. And, and again, TJ was just like, just pay me nothing if you're going to insult me with a handful of quarters. <laughs> it's like giving a stripper, you know, change. You know, that? Yeah. <laughs> same thing. So... I'd make anywhere from nothing to $50 to sometimes $75 to wrestle for stampede. And I'd take up the put up and take down the ring and stuff. But then I realized when I was started promoting these out of town shows, cause I would get sponsors and I would really put a lot of effort into promoting them. Marketing and I, all that. Yeah. I'd be making anywhere from like 500 to a thousand dollars. It wasn't big money cause we weren't using names. Right. Uh, in other than the shows where I did bring in names, but it's like, okay, so now I'm wrestling and actually getting a good payday for wrestling. And because I was helping promote and putting in effort, they would put me in the main events of these shows. So I was also getting to be on the posters. Gotcha. And at that point, they even let my, me change my name to Devin Kid Nicholson. Oh, man. Stupid so Kid Nicholson. You got an upgrade in the name. Yeah. <laughs> And the poster, I mean, so you, you basically, uh, being a promoter, you help market yourself as well. You got your name out there even more. Exactly. And then 
I ended up going to Puerto Rico, as I mentioned, for a bunch of years. And when I came back, I w at, at some point I was doing both. But when I came back, I was done my training and the Hart House had been sold and Stampede had actually closed down. Okay. So I am, anyone that knows where uh, Montana is, that's where uh, we're close to Calgary. Where I'm actually from is close to Syracuse. So okay. I actually live very far away from Calgary and I had nothing left in Calgary. Like I broke up with the, the girl I was with and everything. There's no training, uh, stampede stop running. So I'm like, I'm just going to hit a brick wall there. Right. In, yeah. So, okay. so what happened was, um, because I was living in Puerto Rico off and on, I just like kept my car at my parents. And when I was back in Canada, I was just staying with my parents, but there was no good wrestling companies in my end of Canada. So okay. I, that's when I started uh, promoting my own events. Cause I'm like, well, if there's no good companies, I want experience. Um, I love promoting. So I'm just going to start my own company. So that's, that's what happened. Now, now when you started, was, what year was this? Was this around social media or internet uh, times or was yeah, this kind it just, of uh, Yeah, this, um, when I started Great North Wrestling, it was 2007. When okay. I started promoting, I started wrestling in 2001. Right. I started promoting in 2004 with Stampede. Okay. So and that's still I, early though. That's still. I was you know, in my early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm trying to think when, when MySpace was the thing. I did not have MySpace. I did not even, I put it this way. I didn't have Facebook when I started promoting. It wasn't at the point where everybody had it yet. Gotcha. After a few years, I got Facebook. I was still. How were you promoting the, then? How were you getting the word out there without posters the. And radio wow. and so forth. Okay. All right. But I will have to say, although I had initial success, I then kind of got obsessed with promoting almost like a, a gambler. And for a few years, I, I kind of like put on too many events and I yeah. stretched myself too thin Yeah, and I ended up losing money on a bunch of events because I was putting on too many for one person to handle. Got you. So now over the years and now that I have, now that I've been doing this a long time, a couple of things I don't do, I don't bring in like a huge amount of outside stars because that's one thing that'll kill your ability to profit. Yeah. And in general, the most I'll do is an event every two months Okay. because I don't trust anyone. I've learned this the hard way a bunch of times. If you give someone posters, they half the time are not going to do them. You got to do the posters yourself. They're going to throw them away, right? They throw them away or they'll leave them in their trunk, which I saw one of the guys um, <laughs> did. Left them in his trunk. And I was like, what the hell? These posters cost a lot. They are. It costs a lot to make you that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just tell me. Just wow. tell me if you're not going to do it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but I've got I've got it down now, and of course, one of the things that got my company off the ground, my channel off the ground, is it started just as a way to post matches from my company. Got you. Okay. Okay. And then there was like it all started, I guess, how I got into interview. Uh, someone had done a documentary on me. They yeah. mentioned that one, three awards, and he had a bunch of B-roll footage. 
one of the pieces of the b-roll footage from that was the lanny poffo thing that you wanted to talk to me about yes but yes. when he when i started my channel he's like this was like four or five years after the movie came out he had a bunch of footage that that wasn't used yeah they just got you okay and some of them was because uh he wanted me to do the interviews with wrestlers myself uh -huh. because i was friends with them so yeah. he gave me a bunch of interviews and and footage such as that lanny poffo stuff that didn't make the documentary and then oh. i just started posting it and then i noticed that the footage of my interviews was doing way better than any match I was putting online. Oh, so then when we started having people come to events, I would make sure if I was bringing a star that I would try and get some type of interview with them. Right. And it just got rolling to there to the point where now I'm way more famous as a reporter than I am a, a wrestler. And That's I'm what you're known for. Cause I can yeah. do this a lot longer. Oh, it's, it's, and it's fun. It's fun to sit down and talk with legends and, and wrestlers and, the stories are incredible. I was going to ask you, yeah, when did you know, or what was the one video that made you go, holy shit, interviews is my thing for this YouTube channel? What, what was the one that really exploded? The first one I did with Al Snow. Okay. That's not, that wasn't my biggest one, but that was the one that got popular the fastest. Okay. And that, and at that time, I was still working two jobs and I remember I got a payment for that month and I'm like, holy, holy shit, shit, this is the most money I've ever made in my life. <laughs> <laughs> then, then like, I better start working harder, harder on this. But there was one point, I can tell you this real uh, quick, when yeah. I decided that, okay, I'm dedicating to myself, to my channel, I'm giving up my wrestling dream was I had had a WWE contract. Yes. Uh, at the time I had a medical issue that I was later cured of. So mm -hmm. my contract was taken away after I got cured, Gerald Briscoe, I had done a match in front of him and Jim Ross. They were okay. scouting the match. It was in Iowa. After the match, they said they were going to recommend me for a WWE tryout. It took a whole year for them to get back to me. Wow. But they did get back to me. And they did get me an NXT uh, tryout. It was supposed to be in like May of 2016. Uh -huh. And I was talking to them from like February to May of 2016. They sent me my itinerary. Everything was good to go. Then mm -hmm. a week before the tryout, they someone other than Briscoe from Talent Relations sent me an email saying, we're sorry for any uh, inconvenience we may have caused you but you're no longer invited to the tryout. And it was at that point, at that point, my YouTube channel was starting to take off and I'm like, okay, the hell with this. I'm just gonna focus on my own company and my interviews. They're never gonna give me a chance if Gerald Briscoe's recommended me, the same guy right. who recommended Brock Lesnar, and they're not gonna give me a chance. The hell with them. Do you think there was um, any behind the scenes politics involved with that? Yes. Somebody, somebody got a word in there. You think? I think somebody saw the final list of people or whatever and mm -hmm. said something about me. Because that's pretty odd, right? They they get back to you after that whole year, and then yeah. right before you're supposed to get there, they go, "We're sorry." That that's all they gave you. Yeah. 
And it had been like, it had, they had started talking to me in February. So it had been like someone from WWE was talking to me every week yeah. up until that week. All right. And when I asked Gerald Briscoe later, uh, I said, what happened? Cause I actually ran into him a few years later and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm friends with him now, but I'm a, I've seen him at events uh-huh. and I am friends with his son, Wes, uh-huh. his son, uh, Wes wrestled for us. We've had, we've had some matches that have a lot of views on YouTube, but, um, he said, all they said was we, we already have information on you. Wow. So whatever that meant, um, but somebody mm. said something and whatever I was, I was sad at the time because I had told all my friends and all my friends were excited. You were hyped. And I, yeah. And I was still a bouncer at the time. I had a pretty crappy job. Yeah. And also a personal trainer is like, uh, because my YouTube, it was just like pocket change at that point. Right. But it was building. It was right. still going up every month. Right. But, so it would, but that was a disappointment because I thought something was going to come. Yeah. It had come close again during the last tough enough they did too. Yeah. I had, uh, I had a video that was one of the most viewed and they even put it on SmackDown. But for some reason, even though I was one of the most popular, they ended up not going with me. And the two people that won that year didn't even make it out of development. Yeah, something something went on back behind the scenes, man. Something yeah. definitely went went on. Someone said something or had heat with you, something. Yeah, well, it's common knowledge that uh, that Kevin Owens and I don't get along, and it's common knowledge he's buddies with Triple H. So mm. who knows if it had something to do with that? I really don't know. I mean, at one point I had a lawsuit with them due to the termination, but it was settled. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say that was with uh, Abdul the Butcher. Right. But there was also one with, with WWE. WWE. Right. But it all, it was all stemmed from Abdullah. Stemmed from what, from what happened. Correct. But that was resolved very quickly. Okay. And from what I was told, because it never actually went to court and we were very reasonable and we had come to a mutual settlement agreement which I'm not allowed to talk about right. like the actual terms of it, okay. but like from what the understanding was between the two lawyers, there was not going to be any hard feelings on either side of that, which gotcha. was the whole basis. When Gerald was first talking to me, the first thing he wanted was my medical records and to make sure that was clear. Right. And that was clear before they even sent me the invitation. So you're thinking, Holy shit, this is it. You know, yeah. water under the bridge. We're here now. So yeah. speaking of Kevin Owens, I, I think this is another problem too um, with with the WWE and even other organizations. It's the look of these wrestlers, right? It's it's their presentation. Um, in my opinion, Kevin Owens is he's pretty good on the mic. Okay, he he will do things in the ring that are pretty crazy, but he doesn't look like a guy who I want to buy a ticket to go see. I'm sorry, that's just Personally, it's my opinion. I'm going to see a guy like Roman Reigns. I'm going to see like a guy like Brock Lesnar. But a guy who has, you know, cut off t-shirt and, you know, combat shorts, whatever they are. Bas- I don't know. Basketball shorts. Yeah, they're basketball shorts half the time. You know what I'm saying? And he comes yeah. out hitting himself. I mean, I'm like, there's a dude I can see at a bar. You yeah. know? these The presentation of these guys or especially their mic work in today's wrestling is just not there. It's not believable. It's not connecting. 
with the audience. And as I said, I do follow the analytics and more often than not, just as the lowest Fox uh, SmackDown rating that happened recently, he was in a feature segment. Now, I haven't seen much of his wrestling because I'm not a fan of those type of wrestlers. I don't deny that that he's considered by fans to be an actual good wrestler. Right. But as far as the guy flipping the channels as a sports fan, he doesn't grab your attention. And, and some people will say, well, while Mankind wore a shirt and Undertaker wore a shirt and Bam Bam Bigelow wore a shirt, it's like – if you saw any of those guys in their ring gear walking down the street at two in the morning, you would have crossed to the other side. Mankind. Mankind? Yeah. He was crazy. Man, and Mankind, you believed him. When yeah. He, when he, the way he would just sit, his body movements, the way he would yank his hair out and squeal. and Dude, it was a whole character. And these guys put their all into these characters. Kevin Owens is... The dad, Kevin Owens, <laughs> yeah. and he, that gets mad outside, you know, and, and yells at somebody. It, there's no characters anymore. There's no, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. You, you can't connect with these guys at all. And I don't think it's a coincidence if you saw his matches against Lesnar and Goldberg that they basically just squashed him. Because honestly, yep. I bet you any amount of money, knowing both of those guys' personalities, they said, I'm not taking stuff from this guy. No. Not at all. Not at all. And, and Kevin Owens, he's to me, he's a mid carter at best. He just is, you know, and yeah. I'm surprised he's still in WWE to be honest, because they're not doing anything with him. Really? He, he's a great politician. I'll give him that. And like, he is a backstabber. I won't go into the whole story, but he, we both trained with Jacques Rougeau for a period of time. I and saw that. Yeah. Friendly to me then, hmm. and then years later, I started hearing he was talking stuff behind my back from far too many people to to think that it's false. Okay, one or two is going to be one thing, but when you get like regularly at events, hey, what's what's the beef between you two? He's really? talking shit about you. It's like I I don't even know him, and then I saw him doing it in a shoot interview. And that's when I got full confirmation. So at that point, I'm just like, the hell with this. Uh, if he's going to bash me, I'll bash him right back. But my true opinion, whether I like him or not, is I would not be a fan of his. I, I'd rather watch a million Goldberg matches yeah. that the smart marks might shit on than one Kevin Owens match. Just because Goldberg and the Warrior and Ric Flair, like Undertaker, those are the type of guys – that I like Macho Man. Yep. Macho Man may not have been the biggest, but he looked big. He was crazy. He talked in the voice. Yep. I mean, that's what they're missing these days. I mean, Roman Reigns isn't much of a character. And I, I've said I'd love to wrestle him. He looks like a good athlete and stuff. But, like, as far as a character, I don't know. They're missing characters. That's right. why Goldberg is still one of their best ratings. Yeah. Getters when he comes back. And even, I mean, Lesnar's looking like he's coming back soon. I, here's the thing. The way that they're running the company now. Okay. All the, all the releases. Okay. The Braun Strowman's gone, which I thought, you know, everyone lost their shit when he was like, I was like, okay. You Supposedly know, he's asking, by the way, fans for 25 grand on the Indies. He's asking for a minimum 20 grand for Indies runs. Now, this is a guy 
okay, who bashed people who were in the Indies, who talked shit, all right, and didn't pay his dues. He was signed straight to a development deal, which would have been minimum seven fifty a week. I was going to ask in you a- that. Yeah, I was. That's what I was going to ask you. The like when you paid your dues in wrestling, or you know the old school guys, they're getting paid. Hopefully, they are getting paid, right? How did that personally make you feel to see that statement from Braun Strowman about the Indies? Just that he he actually wrote in that statement. He paid like something about uh, when he went to FCW or whatever it was, the performance center, he had 50 bucks in his pocket or whatever and a, and a, a shitty car, but like, yeah, but you're going to get paid to train, which isn't that long a day. And it's only four or five days a week. I was in right. deep South for a while. I know how that uh, development system works is my dog just, Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. I was going to say hi to everybody. Say hi to, to the Hannibal. What's the name? What's the name? Piper. She's named after Cheers, Piper. Cheers. <laughs> beautiful dog. Look at that. But I'll just finish off on, on Strowman. If they see that you, you're a, a super freak like him. Uh, I know some people like Mason Ryan, who I was friends with, was getting more than seven fifty a week if they thought they would do something with you. Gotcha. So it's like you're not paying your dues when you're getting paid to train. Yep. When most wrestlers, for instance, have to pay to train like me, I paid money to both uh, Bruce Hart and Jacques Rougeau to train, as well as camps all over the place. Plus, I worked two jobs, and they're paying. Here's they're paying him to train. Can you imagine? Yeah. Hannibal being paid by the WWE just to train. Be amazing. <laughs> it's a pretty easy job. And you're like, especially I love it. his size. You know what I'm yeah. saying? He's throwing people around. And then he's making over a million a year. Oh and my God. When he made those comments that don't give anything to these people's Patreons begging and don't feel sorry for these people, they should be in another line of work. Well, you know what? If I had given up, um, after, after 10 years, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah, that rubbed me the so wrong I'm way. I'm glad I ever gave up. It's perseverance that can make you special when you finally make it. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of the people like Piper and Flair and Austin, Austin paid a lot of dues, Piper did, mm-hmm. Flair did. So when they finally made it, they really made the most of it. And they had all that personality traits uh, of doing those crappy jobs and paying their dues. And I think it's what helped make their character too, because they had to, they had to earn it. Yeah. They had to put everything they had. They weren't just said here, here's 2 million a year. Now go throw people around the ring. And no. they don't have to draw anymore because for pay-per-views, they don't even have pay-per-views anymore. In reality, it's all on the network. Yeah. Yeah. Which they get a flat rate f- for anyway so it's like they get the same amount so they don't it doesn't matter if they draw because they're get they're already getting paid a huge amount of money so when you don't have to draw you don't really have to work that hard you don't give a shit you yeah. stop giving a shit you know and well that's that's braun Strowman. but i am gonna ask you this with the whole lanny poffel angle everyone knows you know it was it was a work but it was really well done you know people were believing that shit happened there was a recent interview with lanny where he agreed 
he said he agreed to everything, you know, with the, with the getting smacked uh, after the match, he would smack you, you take him down, blah, blah, blah. He was like, it wasn't real until it became real. When you put him in that hold while he was on the ground, then he said he couldn't breathe. And then he tapped you to get off. And both. that's where he said, that's where he called you a motherfucker. And he said, uh, you know, you're broke and all this shit. Okay. So what happened was, He's on top of me and my arm is back there and everything. And just then I realized, hey, I can't breathe. Okay, so I had to get out of this pinning because he had his, all his weight on my sternum. Hmm. Okay, so I tried like crazy to get him off of me. See, this is when the thing that wasn't real became real. Yeah, I needed to take a gulp of air. And then I, I tried tapping him, tap, 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 meaning let me go. Well, he didn't let me go for quite a while. So finally he let me go, and it took me a while to catch my breath. And then I went back into acting mode, and I called him names and this and that. And this is the reason why I will never say hello to that motherfucker. What is your response to that? Because I, I saw that. I was like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> well, the whole the whole thing behind that, as I said, that was actually part of the B-roll footage from the documentary. Mm-hmm. And someone had convinced us to put, this was a case of why I, I used to also do four provinces with Great North Wrestling. I only do one or two now. Right. Because I trusted somebody to do a good job promoting out in New Brunswick, which is near Maine to these American fans, out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, boy. And they didn't promote this event very well, but the camera crew, we ended up getting great footage there, and I ended up making money off the footage in the end. Right. But um, the crowd was really bad, and Lanny and I were actually pretty close friends at that time. He was with Great North Wrestling from the start, and by the way, he was with us a couple of years after that, too. So he could say what's... He was with us a few years after, and he only, we're never going to use him again. That's the only reason he's saying anything bad about us. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, he lives in Ecuador somewhere. So it's like, mm. it's not like he, and he's getting uh, the Macho Man's royalties, according to some reports. So he's set. He doesn't need my payoffs anymore. Oh, oh he's real What sad. happened that day was there was a really bad crowd, but the documentary cameras were there. Okay. So we're like, why don't we work? everyone and like make because as i've said i like people to think wrestling is real or at least have suspicions that we're not all friends so i'm like why don't we make the most out of this and we have a rougher than normal match and you pretend you're mad at me after the match and you come after me in the dressing room and we won't tell anybody yeah and we'll just go with natural reactions yeah. And he said, well, we got to at least tell Honky Tonk, man. He wasn't lying about that. Yeah, no, 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 because Honky's that, Honky has a few drinks. He gets upset. You know, you don't want to lose him. Because I remember you saying you didn't want to lose him for the set. You had another night to. Yeah, it was a two-night It was a two yeah. night, uh, tour. And by the way, the next night, it was me and Darko, a local wrestler, against Lanny and Honky. So we actually did wrestle the next night. Okay, all right. Fuck. Where are you? Hey, you piece of shit. What the fuck are you doing, man? Fuck you! Get the fuck over me! I swear to God, man. Fuck yourself! I'll break your fucking arm! 
Come on, break your arm! Don't do it, don't do it! Fuck off! Stop the fuck! What's wrong with you, man? What the fuck's wrong with you guys? Fuck! Hey! What the hell's wrong with you? Hey! Jesus, fuck! What the fuck's your problem? Stop the fucking nonsense! What are you pissed off about? guys? You okay? Get the fuck! He's lucky I don't break his arm. For what? What the fuck is this about? You're where you are because of what you are, cocksucker. What the hell did I do to you to piss you off? Learn to work. It's fucking bullshit. Get to work. You just don't know how to work. That's what it's you fucking, fucking shit, Hamlin. Well, you know what? You this ain't the first time you've done this fucking shit. You okay? But yeah, we did that scene, and it never came out. It never saw the light of day until that producer gave me the footage. Mm-hmm. And then when I put it online, uh, I think I put three or four versions up. And if you add up all the versions, it has well over a million hits. And people thought it was real. Yeah. So there was nothing in that 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 was not planned. And he knew that it was going to be realistic. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I've said it like, other than beating Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night Main Event, that's what he's going to be most remembered for because he's asked about it all the time. Yeah, it's, the, it, it's a big before, angle. It really is. Before we became enemies, he told me why he wanted that down. Why he hates me is, is really because I wouldn't take that video down because I did not make money on those shows. He agreed to, to wrestle for me. Um, I got to make my money somewhere and people love it. But he thought he was going to come off as a pure baby face. Mm-hmm. And he came off as a heel. And he said at conventions and so forth that he would attend, people would be upset at him after seeing that. Right. Right. So that's what he didn't like about it. But there was never any issues with us until that popped up. Yeah. I mean, there was one. Actually, I will bring up one issue that there was. Okay. Um, and this was related to a shoot interview of him that will never be released. I did it around the same time as I did the uh, superstar Billy Graham interview and the okay. Honky Tonk Man interview. Yep. Now, the Honky Tonk Man interview is the most viewed shoot interview on the internet, like almost oh, wow. 4 million views. Wow. And the Billy Graham one also has a lot. But the third one I did was with Lanny. And at that time, I was working with a camera guy who had filmed stuff for me for about a year okay, and was refusing to provide me the footage, even though I paid for the footage. So he's holding it hostage. He was holding it hostage. And it was actually, while I was going through uh, my medical treatment that he was holding this footage hostage. And it's like, I could be using this uh, for, at that time I was thinking I was going to release DVDs. It was before I started YouTube, that footage, um, was going to be for DVDs because I we had originally done it for DVDs. We were going to release oh, um, shoot okay. interviews. Okay. So he he, ha- he ended up holding it hostage for like two and a half, three years, and I had to go to court to get the footage back. Holy shit! Um, but every single wrestler involved in not only the shoot interviews but the matches that he was holding hostage wrote me notes saying I could have the footage other than Lanny. Lanny did not want his shoot interview out because he told the true story about Stephanie and Macho Man in it. Oh, shit. And there was a few other things in it 
that uh, he does not want release. So, so now, so I never got that footage back. You don't have it still to this day because he wouldn't, he wouldn't sign the thing for me. So I wasted all my time doing that interview and it would have been a huge hit. Oh my God. And it will never see the light of day because he didn't sign that. So that is actually what broke us up as friends. We were friends for years after the, uh, after that incident, that incident happened in 2009. He wrestled for me till 2012 mm-hmm. and only in 2021 is he publicly saying he has an issue with me when he wrestled for me from 2007 to 2012. Wow. And I'll say one more thing. Cause he alleged that I took naked footage of him and put it on the internet. You know, as well as I do, your YouTube channel is going to get taken down for that. Yeah. That's not a good thing. You can't really do that even if you wanted to no you know he's he's absolutely completely full of crap and he's <laughs> he's just bitter but he that should have be, allowed that me would be a good dvd me. though hannibal i mean if you could ever get that footage just throw it on a dvd and you know i'll never get it next to sunny side up and one night in china you got lanny poffo in the shower that'd be nice right? oh oh that footage yeah <laughs> I thought you meant the Lanny Poffo uh, interview footage. All I have of proof that that happened is one picture. I have a picture that I took with my cell phone before the interview was done. And I had rented a studio and everything with black curtains. And it was, he really opened up to us. So it saddens me that that will never see the light of day. But that's are you sure you can't get that footage ever? You don't think? You don't think there's ever be a time? If he had signed the thing before the legal thing, but when we had our, uh, he ended up settling with me. And gotcha. It did go to court three times though before he settled. Wow. But as part of that agreement, mm. uh, I agreed that. I wasn't going to bother him about footage and because Lanny wasn't signing it over. Yeah. Time, I'm just like, well, the hell with this. Hell with it. I'm not going to fight for it. If Lanny, if Lanny doesn't want it up, because if I put it up, then he might have an issue with it being up. Yeah. Now I know you, you got to go and, and Hannibal, we got to have you back because there's so much more I can go into with you. Like I said, you're a wealth of knowledge. You, you've, you've talked to some of the best in the business. Um, but before we go, your your favorite interview of all time? Um, one of my favorites. I w- there's so many, but everyone will find it weird. Up to this point, up to this point, because you know you're still gonna have more. So up to this point, your favorite person. It's favorite. actually a UFO related one with a guy named Paul Hellyer. Really? Who? Uh, he's the former Canadian Minister of Defense and the highest of now there's more now Barack Obama has come out about UFOs and so forth but yeah it's getting crazy he was the very first former minister of defense that went on the record and it took me years to convince him to do this holy shit and one of his clips is just about to cross the million views barrier but because he's actually has nothing to do with wrestling and he's just like one step below the prime minister here in Canada. Yeah. It was an honor to interview him. And that whole day uh, I went, he has a penthouse in Toronto, right on the Harbor. Mm. And he was 96 when he did that. He's still alive. He might be a hundred ish now, but like, it was just so cool that entire day. And I had worked for literally years to convince him to do the interview. So it was so satisfying and to prove myself 
that I'm not just a wrestling interviewer. I can right. do interviews in other domains. Right. That's why it was so special to me. Right. And um, let me guess, the worst one is going to be Goon right now. Yeah. Did that just hit your, your worst interview of all time? Yeah, he beat out uh, Juventud Guerrera, which was my previous worst. <laughs> and my third worst was Carlito. <laughs> Carlito went through three pages of questions in about 16 minutes. Yes, no. Oh, that was cool. No, don't remember. <laughs> the uh, As far as your favorite wrestling interview, what would that one be? Uh, well, Billy Graham would be up there just because I ended up becoming – friends with him mm -hmm. and again that that was an interview the first time i interviewed him had to do with the medical condition and documentary so it all really started with, with documentary interviews gotcha uh, so i guess you could say if you include documentaries i've been doing this for 10 years yeah uh, because you, i started been, in 2011. you've been in the game a long time well Hannibal, I appreciate your time. My favorite uh, MMA interview, by the way, is Boss Rutin. Since I do woo, MMA let's go. Dude, you're all over the place, man. Yeah. Where can everyone find you on social media? Where could they locate you if someone's new to your content here? Well, we're at, we're at The Hannibal TV on YouTube. Okay. The Hannibal TV on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We do stream as you've started doing as well. All pretty much all of our interviews and news updates on Facebook as well. Right. And it's pretty much ad free on Facebook for people that don't like watching the ads and complain about it. Uh, but we have to pay for these interviews somehow. It's the and way it works. Yeah. My personal Twitter where if you DM me, I will follow you back is D E V O N H A N N I B A L. So you can follow us there and the Hannibal TV dot com has all of our links and our links to our merchandise site Sweet. and so forth so definitely subscribe to the hannibal tv and subscribe to pounding the meats if you want to help Ooh. both of us out it's 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 a really big help guys listen i'm telling you if you haven't seen his channel go to the hannibal tv he's been a big inspiration for me i've been watching his channel for years and don't forget like those videos of his subscribe to the channel and hit that bell hit all notifications it really does help the channel out it's something small to do but it goes a long way it keeps the engagement going and keeps the channel up in the algorithm so that people can see it you know we put a lot of work into these pieces of content we want people to see it and i mean i've had steve austin put over my channel three times on his podcast Jim Cornette even does an impression of me, so he must watch my channel a hell of a lot. That's fantastic. Uh, you know? So many stars. Hulk Hogan seen some of my interviews. I know that for a fact. So it's yeah. pretty cool when you run into people that you don't expect to know who they are, who right. you are, and like you find out that they actually watched. Then it's almost like embarrassing. It's like, oh my god, you actually <laughs> that a good one? That? Did I'm you like worthy. it? <laughs> Did you like it? You know. But Hannibal, bro, thank you so much, man, for your time. I really appreciate it. I got to have you back. I'll keep in touch with you, and, and we'll, we'll go for a round two. You know, I'll buy another round of drinks, and, and we'll go from there. That was Hannibal, the Hannibal TV on YouTube. Thank you so much for watching, and I will see you in the next video. Take care.